Oh, there you go. That's a vibe. That is for sure a vibe. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin. Sapnin. You are listening to episode 274 of Sapnin Podcast featuring myself, Sean Smith. Right, good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And the excitement levels for this chat does not exist because he's too fetch to function. That sounds like you're not interested in a guest. Oh, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. This week's guest (laughs) is Daniel Francese, comedian, actor, and all-round beautiful soul. And he doesn't even go here. Oh, another, uh, another one. Yes. Daniel Franzese, I love your work. Uh, look, before we get into it, I think I just need to take a moment here because I've made so many references and jokes and confessions about my love for the film Mean Girls. Yes. Uh, throughout the inception of this podcast. And so the fact that we got to have this chat with Daniel meant a lot to me on so many levels because I always feel like I need to justify how much I love this film to people sometimes because they think it's a joke or a misconception or whatever, but it's ultimately my number one comfort film and the fact that we just got to dive into not only what it was like being in this picture in the 20th year anniversary, but it just is life and getting into comedy and his struggles with coming out with his sexuality and battling stereotypes of religion and just some incredible things he's done in his career was an absolute treat. When we booked this in, I knew how insanely excited you were. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, w- I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. Um, don't get me wrong, I know the character from the film, but um, yeah, sadly I didn't know about his comedy and his... Um, his nights he puts on in the comedy store in LA. So it was awesome to hear those stories and some of the people he's worked with. And um, he even gives my mother a shout out, yeah. which is quite nice. Yeah, Jan gets a lot of love for all this. So you need to <laughs> stay tuned to find out how and why. Um, but yeah, honestly, like, again, this film means a lot to me. But the fact that we got to just get so many different layers of his, of his life and I think make him laugh and... Just talk about a lot of subjects. I think you know you and me don't get to really 
talk about anyway. Yeah. And that's why it's always nice getting different guests on this podcast outside of the musical world, but still had such an influence on kind of alternative music culture. I yes. mean, yeah, these quotes um, from his character are always everywhere. It's in some band's lyrics and stuff all the time now. So yeah, it's a really, really nice, really nice touch. I'm thankful this just got to happen. But before we get into it, we should mention that we are currently recording this part of the podcast, this intro, the words you are currently hearing in Glasgow, Scotland. Yes, we are at SWG3, which is a, a venue in Glasgow, Glasgow, Scotland, as Americans say, wrong. And um, sitting next to us is James Richard Davis of The Blackout. <gasps> Bob, say hello. Uh, <laughs> um, there he is. Uh, because The Blackout are currently on tour and we are in Glasgow. Uh, this is the second night of our tour. Mm. And round about 12 hours ago, none of us thought this would might... Well, we thought this might not be happening because <gasps> last night, which... we uh, Last night, we played in Manchester Academy... And it was an absolutely amazing gig. The people were fucking great. We were pretty good. And then two songs before the end, Gavin Mark Butler is claiming that I stood on his Achilles tendon. What? He walked that back. He haven't. He walked that back. What? So I've, I've been in my bunk all night going... Oh, you walked back. No, 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 no. So you were you were right to be guilty earlier, <laughs> because right. the the guilt has only been rescinded since about two o'clock this afternoon. What do you mean? Oh, well, when he came in earlier, he yeah. was like, I thought originally Sean jumped on me, but I don't think he did. I think I just heard it. So I, not my words, Sean. The words of Gavin Butler. Well, what a prick! Because I spent all night going. It's taken me seven months to try and prepare this, and I've ruined it by stepping on Gavin's tendon, and it just turns out it's. Gavin can't walk. Yeah, pretty much. Aww. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, I've loved all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at the end of our show yesterday, um, Gavin literally had to be helped upstairs and to our dressing room, and then we got a medic out who had a look at his foot and said he's probably torn his Achilles or the ten- tendons in the back of his foot. And then we had to take him to a hospital in Manchester, where he stayed until this very morning when he was finally uh, seen by the doctors and they told him he's got a ruptured Achilles. So he's currently wearing a massive, massive boot for the um, shows. So, But last night was fucking fantastic. If you were at Manchester, thank you very much. If you came to Glasgow, which is in the future for us now year but when you hear this it's in the past <laughs> yeah thanks yeah. very much for coming it was a good gig or bad gig you change that however you want um because you might have been there so you decide and then yes we've got cardiff and then when this goes out we'll be birmingham mm-hmm. you're playing birmingham, birmingham tonight. tonight birmingham tonight on the friday that this comes out please come along it's a massive venue please please bring your tallest and widest friends so we can fill the space as best we can and then Saturday, we play the Forum in Kentish Town, and it's going to be class. Mm, and then uh, Sunday, you and me get on a flight to Miami and go on a cruise. Yes, so, we do. We yeah. go over the Bermuda Triangle, where we are bound to be abducted. <laughs> Shout out to Emo's Not Dead for that. Yeah, but thank you very much. Yeah, this, uh, I've, obviously, I'm in Glasgow, because it would make sense doing this conversation if I wasn't. Um, but it's been nice doing Patreon meetups and stuff as well. And if you'd like to support this, 
podcasting oh. anyway, please go and check out patreon.com forward slash sapling. Go on, man. There's been a lot. We've had a lot of extra people the last couple of days. I've yes, noticed as well. So maybe. Well, um, funnily enough, one of our patrons, Kylie Wheeler, she messaged me saying she met somebody on the train. She started talking to mm-hmm. her buddy and then they signed up. Oh, they're recruiting others. Yeah. Come and join the cults. Come and join the cult. It's growing. Honestly, best way. And you get meet loads of new friends who go to future gigs and festivals together. <laughs> and let us know that you're listening to this podcast at Sappin Pod on Instagram and the app formerly known as Twitter. Put it in your stories. We can share it and we can just share the love, everything going on. But without any further ado, it gives me great pleasure to say we are joined by Mr. Daniel Franzese of Mean Girls. Little advice. Don't have sex. You will get pregnant and die. Everyone grab a Johnny. Sapnin! Sapnin! Tidy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too connect with a credentialed therapist by phone video or online chat all from the comfort of your home visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Sapnin! 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 Yes! All right, all right. Yes, we are in. It begins, I'm... Was that a little bit of trying to do one of our accents? No. Oh, okay. Me. <laughs> I'm not that good at it. I'm not that good at it. Everyone make, is everyone right now? It's like really popular. Everyone's like gnar, and I'm like, I can't. I, I, I got to learn better. Yeah. This week's guest is actor, comedian, and a cast member of Morgan's favorite <laughs> film of all time. We are joined. By the wonderful, the beautiful Daniel Franzese. How are you? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I am um, so happy to be here. I'm, I'm, sappy, I'm sappy to be here. Ah, ah. 
There Angel's we are. Angel's become my new favorite guest. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I gotta write Sappy to be a dummy. Sappy. <laughs> make that merch now. We'll make that merch. I'll, uh, I will definitely invoice you. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I was that's about fine. to say, yeah, that's yeah, 20% of it is yours <laughs> out, of the, out of the gate. But yes, how are you? What if, yeah, what's, what's going on with you? I just had LASIK eye surgery, so I'm still seeing uh, poorly uh, because it's a little bit of recovery, but I'm very optimistic, you know? Uh, I had the surgery, and then we'll see. Yeah. Well, literally, we'll see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time um, during the recovery as well to speak to us. I mean, yeah, yes. I've tried to get this sorted when you were coming. I know. I've been so excited to talk to you guys, Yes. Yeah, and sadly we couldn't do it when you were over here because schedules didn't line up. But like, yeah, you were over for DragCon, and I want to know like what are those conventions and like DragCon like for you? Because you're someone who has just been embraced so much by the drag community. Um, I love DragCon. To me, it kind of has like a Burning Man vibe where we all get together every you know year and get to see some of the same folks and. It's, it also has that vibe of like building like a little village because we all have to build our little, you know, corners to, mm. to meet and greet everyone. It's so fun to me. Um, I, I do more for fun. Um, it's a great place to meet the people that support me all year round and see a lot of my, uh, you know, LGBTQ family. I imagine just the vibe of those things is just so, so much love, it seems, in the room when you do these kind of appearances and get to meet people and just have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of it's a little bit of trauma dumping. Like some people have a really big emotional attachment to media, like, you know, um, a a past relative who they used to have, uh, used to watch a movie with or someone who, um, you know, or something nice. Like they grew up with all their friends and it was like their, all their favorite quotes or whatever. You know, um, there's, or they went on a date to go see some scary movie I was in. It's, it's just interesting <laughs> how it affects people in different ways. And so it's emotion, it's an emotional, fun day to sit there and one by one hear stories of how people connect with you. Do you meet many people there then who act like they've known you for years? Is it, do people come up to you and like, cause they've grown up with you or seen you about or? Um, yeah, I, you know, people always go, what's it like? Is it weird? I'm like, well, it's weird if the people are weird. It's, it's nervous if the people are nervous. It's nice if the people are nice. I, I honestly think the best way to go up to someone whose work that you like is to think of something really specific that you like. Like if you're like, oh, that line in that scene where you, then you have their attention. You know, if you have something really specific you like, you're able to have a talking point. But, you know, for the most part, People that like my stuff are smart and cool, and so I enjoy it. <laughs> I'm Morgan. I'm Morgan uh, likes it. Wait, wait. I'm Morgan and likes cl- it. And, and clearly, Morgan has really good taste. Hey! <laughs> you, def- you had the chance to make a joke at my expense, and you didn't. And I love you for that, Danny. Thank you. That's rare on this podcast. <laughs> That's, That's very, very rare. rare. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honestly, there's, there's so many things I want to talk to you about throughout this conversation, but... I would be remiss if I didn't dive into Mean Girls a little bit, if that's okay with you, because it is honestly my number one comfort film. Honest. I take every opportunity I can to talk about it, quote it, reference it in everyday life, and especially on this podcast. And Sean is kind of fed up of that by now. But like, it's just always been a beloved pop culture classic, especially now with the musical 
version in cinemas as we record this. But like, what's it been like for you living with that film for the last 20 years and just seeing its legacy becoming an important constant in people's lives? It's a really big question because it's been like a roller coaster of emotions. Like I, I, you know, it's, uh, in the nicest way possible. It's like an abusive parent. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I feel like I, you know, there's things about it that, you know, have, uh, held me back or, or made things weird or whatever for me. But for the most part, all these really great things have come out of it. I've met so many friends because of it. I get to travel the world still because of this movie. People are like, you know, even my standup, if someone comes to see my standup, they don't, and they haven't seen my standup. They already like me from the movie before they see my stand-up. I'm already winning walking in. So I, I've had so many blessings that come from this movie. I can't badmouth that at all. But it has been a tumultuous ride, especially, you know, not being out of the closet when I made the movie. So there was a lot of years that, like, I was str- struggling against stereotype. Um, but, uh, you know, that's just the way Hollywood is in general, I guess. Yeah. Well, how long after the movie coming out did you come out? 10 years. I came out the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. There was like a long journey there. You know, now we're at the 20 years. So I'm 10 years out and I was 10 years in. So, yeah. So you're going to go back. Yeah. You're going to go back in. No, just keep doing that every 10 years. (laughs) It was kind of like that because uh, probably about five years before me girls, I got out of conversion therapy and I actually came out to my friends and family. And then it was like, I was living it out life until I got that movie. And then I'm like, I better tone it down a little bit because I was starting to lose opportunities for straight roles. Um, um, after playing that part, they wouldn't even see me at auditions or stuff. So it like really, Oh wow. And then, you know, all the gay stuff, they were looking for somebody different than me girls. Cause that was so popular. They wanted to, so I wasn't getting gay stuff. I wasn't getting straight stuff. It was a very hard time for a while. And it's a very specific kind of annoying to be very famous and very poor. <laughs> like it was like, I, it felt a little bit like having a, like a lottery ticket in your pocket and then washing it in the washing machine. <laughs> like you saw it, it was like, you know, the beginning of it, but I still, you know, once I came out of the closet, especially like right before the 10th anniversary and started doing like, um, stand up and really realizing and creating my own stuff and, not worrying about these gatekeepers telling me what I can and can't do. That's when everything started to really take off for me. Mm. It wasn't like the first thing I created, but it was like maybe like the 10th thing I created that all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, things started like picking up and I'm going, okay, I, this is more how I'm supposed to be filtering this artistry. This, these gifts are supposed to go through creation, not necessarily like wait, waiting at some, you know, gatekeepers door. Yeah. It's weird that you mentioned that like, being famous but poor i guess yeah that's the life of being in a band basically unless you're one of the top three bands of who are streaming you are like people love you and adore what you've done and then yeah you've got got nothing to really show for it other than they love which is lovely but again doesn't pay the bills yeah even a big movie they're like oh i have the dvd it's like well great like so now you know like you you know you you put $10 towards my career. <laughs> and I don't, you know, they, that's why we had the strike recently because there was a lot of, like Mean Girls came out around the time that like Netflix and streaming were kind of event- invented and they never changed the rules for it. They can still consider it new media as if it was YouTube or something. And we never really got paid for any of those views on 
any of the streaming platforms. So, wow. Um, yeah, a little frustrating, but, but again, a big blessing because I got invited to prides and I got paid to do those kind of things. Like, you know, I made my money in other ways, but definitely not from that movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just mad how industries like that work really. But speaking of comedy, like it does seem that became such a, a creative outlet for you away from acting and just, Gave you the freedom to do what you want. I mean, you know, there's been so many things you've done from stand-up to rock operas to YouTube skits that had millions of views. Like, how how much has finding comedy just allowed you to be free? I think comedy was what saved me in my youth. Like, I definitely, like, came straight from home to play rehearsal to the TV. And I just, like, you know, the TV was my best friend. The TV raised me in a lot of ways. And it was like, I, like I watched every comedy set, every, everything. So when I finally figured out how to allow myself to do it, um, that was really such a breakthrough for me. And it's annoying in a way that like, ever since I was a kid, I, when I went to theater school, they were always like, you need to create your own stuff. You need to create your own stuff. It was like the number one advice we got, but I never felt like, a, I never felt like a creator until I was forced to do it. Like it was really like, I always just wanted to do other people's things. I was always excited. I, I felt more like a job hunter. Like I was so excited to book a gig, like, and I thought that was my job was booking gigs, but really it was like creating the gig. And in turn, I ended up giving a lot of other people jobs and uh, things to do on, you know? Yeah. What was the moment like when you decided to do stand up for the first time? Cause I've been genuinely, I'm in an hour in about doing it. I was on a TV show. I was a lead on this television show called uh, Conviction with Haley Atwell, great Brit actress. Um, and she, uh, you know, um, they really weren't using the, me that much. Like Haley uh, Atwell was the lead of the show and I was playing her brother and she lived with me and, you know, she would go to work and the show was like about her job, about dealing with wrongful convictions. So she would like in the morning, like my character would be like, hey, you forgot your coffee and then she would like start the episode and then she would like come home and be like have a glass of wine and tell me about your day and then she would do a monologue and it was like i was not really being used yet like i know that as time gone on gone on they would have written more for me or whatever but i was feeling really frustrated living in toronto a new city new country like working on this show and working one day every two weeks and the rest of the time just being like what do i do with my time you know and so um I always had Sundays off and I looked up Second City Toronto, which I was like, wow, this is like the birthplace of like Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy and Martin Short and John Can John Candy and all these greats. And when I was 12, I used to love uh, Second City TV and I always wanted to go there, but I was never in Chicago or never in Toronto. Like when would I have the opportunity? And I'm like, I'm going to be here a year and I, and I could take a Sunday class, whatever they're teaching on Sunday. So I looked it up and it was stand-up comedy. And I'm like, oh, of course. And my New Year's <laughs> resolution had been to try stand-up again, you know, because I'd given it a few goes before uh, a little nervously, you know, you bomb once and you feel like, oh my gosh, that's how it's going to be forever. You know, you, you can't figure out how to see past that. And I took the class and it was literally in the first five minutes of the first class, the teacher was like, it's called a routine because you routinely do the same routine. And I was like, I don't have to write new material every time I get on stage. Like uh, what I'm doing is building like a little play. And I'm like, I could do that. Like, and then immediately I started getting, I was writing two hours a day. I just was like, I had so much to say. And 
I just like I started hitting open mics before I even did my finale in the class. As a matter of fact, I never actually did the finale because I had to leave town for a gig. And I was just like, I'm just gonna start performing. And people, the first open mic, someone was like, "Oh my gosh, you're you know in Mean Girls? Why are you doing an open mic?" And it was like all these all all the ten years I had suffered of being like Mean Girls holding me back. This was something that Mean Girls lit fire to. And so it was like they, they'd be like, "Come back next week, and we'll give you a spot." And then it would be like, after a while, I would kill the spot. And they'd be like, hey, we're doing this other show. Do you, do you know? And I, I literally, like, I went, after that, I went to Florida for a few months to visit my family in Miami and South Florida and Fort Lauderdale. And I did open mics around there. And then I was like, I needed to build up a set before I got to L.A. I didn't want to go to L.A. and have nothing, you know, uh, go back to L.A. So then when I went back to L.A., uh, literally my first weeks of stand-up, Somebody was like, "Hey, somebody broke their leg, or something, <laughs> and they can't do they can't do Aspen Gay Ski Week. Do you want this multi thousand dollar job to do an hour?" And I had like three minutes of material. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I never, I was like, I'm never turning down this money again." Like, I you know, I already I have already built up a name in comedy that allows me to do these headlining gigs. I've got to come up with a show, and so it was a hustle. I was going to open mics three times a day for months. And like real, like it didn't matter if I was famous. It didn't matter if I had a t- ticket and wait two hours to do five minutes. I took my time. I, I earned my dues and I really busted my butt. And then I came up with like 18 minutes, <laughs> you know, after yeah. like a really long time. And then someone was like, we want to hire you to do 25 minutes. And I was like, Oh my God. Okay. I'll take it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, terrified and kind of like, you know, crowd worked and bullshit my way through the first couple, you know, and I was like, by the time I got to my actual set, I still had some extra minutes at the end. And it felt so exhilarating that I was like, I want more. I want more. And I mean, that was like, now that was 10 years ago. And, you know, now I have like probably an hour and a half of material. And I do at least an, uh, an hour a week around the world. And wow. it's been so it's been so fun and so great and so giving to me. And it's such an amazing thing to know that I just need like a microphone in me. And I can give you like a full show. Like, um... And uh, studies have shown I don't even need good lighting or a sturdy stage. But you know what? Like a picnic table, a singalodeon, and I, you got me there. I'm like ready to go. Like yeah. karaoke machine, and we got this. Like so, um, yeah, it's just been really great. And I've used that. I guess some people would say fast tracking into like you know headlining to open the doors for so many other comics, like. I would, you know, I, I figure if some places like there's a comedy club here called Flappers and they're like, you get the owner of the club became my manager and was like, you could have anything you want a month. Do you want to do an hour a month? And I was like, no, I want to do a show with all other queer comedians. So I started a show where I would help, you know, Pied Piper, a lot of people that were queer that were in sketch that had the same fears that I had of doing stand-up into doing stand-up themselves. So I give a lot of guys and girls their start and days and thems their starts. And, you know, always try to keep a very diverse group of friends and people around. And then, you know, I kind of, in 10 years, I've earned my way as a stand-up now, I believe, you know, where maybe in the beginning I was stum- I was stumbling. But now I have all these wonderful relationships of all people who I helped give a, a start to in the industry are all killing it. And like, you know, I, I, I got my own class of stand-ups to come up with that maybe I sh- 10 years ago, I might have, if I would have been able to be comfortable who I was, if the world was a different place... Perhaps I would have come up with other people that are really famous now, you know, like, um, but I, you know, I, I caught 
like uh, a, a wave of a really group, big group of people. And um, I have great family in the industry now. So I have a great time and I'm doing stand up all the time. I do stand up at the comedy store next week. I'm, I'm hyped about that. And it's like, nice. all, you know, just like all kinds of uh, places all over. Yeah. What room are you doing in the comedy store? Um, the main room. Yeah. Nice. And it's an amazing, it's, yes. And it's a very sick, uh, cast. It's got, um, so many people that are amazing on it. I know Margaret Cho's on this one. I often work oh, wow. Sarah Silverman, Sarah Silverman or Sydney Hall on that show, Polly Shore. Like it's all like what? a head, like an all headliner show. Uh, I've just gone cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've just gone cold as you've named them fucking people. Wow. <laughs> I did too. You know, I did too. Like when I first started working with them, it took me a while to feel worthy to work with some of those people, but you know, I'm finally in a place where I'm so comfortable in what I'm doing and, loving the audience the audience loves me and i'm a very happy place in my art with uh stand-up that's amazing yeah you've named some fucking unbelievable <laughs> na- what's paulie Shaw like is he as mad as uh he seems on <laughs> he's really cool i really like him especially all this stuff he's been talking about lately with the richard simmons movie like yeah. i knew i know richard simmons like i used to take his class back in the day Whoa. It was one of the most novel things I did when I got to LA. Somebody was like, do you want to take Richard Simmons class? And I was like, oh, like <laughs> Richard Simmons like owns an exercise class. They're like, no, he hosts it. And I'm like, when? And so <laughs> the story behind this is actually really funny. I, I had heard about it for so long, but I never actually went. Like I had heard it existed and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to that. And it was at his, um, his gym called Slimmons. Right, Richard yeah. Simmons says it had a gym called Slimmons. Nice. And so, of course, yeah, he did. Right? Nice. of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah, I know. And so I was like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And my mom and sister came to come visit me in Florida, and we pranked my sister. We didn't tell her that we were that Richard Simmons was actually teaching the class. We're like, oh, we're gonna. We were hyping it up that we were going to Richard Simmons' gym, but we're like, he doesn't ever teach. He's very busy. He tours the world. You know, she did not at all see it coming. It was her her first time in LA, you know, and, um, we got really stoned in the parking lot and like, <laughs> we went in, uh, to, we went into the class and, you know, it was at first it was like getting started and everybody was rallying up and there was pictures of him everywhere. And I didn't actually take into account how I would feel when I saw Richard Simmons. In person. <laughs> like, I just was really like, Oh, I'm going to get my sister, you know? And my sister was so hyped. She, at the time she was training for the fire Academy. She was like all in good shape. She was like, Let's go, let's go. And like this, I just will remember forever that the song, like, uh, let's hear it for the boy from Footloose was on. And she was like, she was like, let's get up on the ball. <laughs> and she's going off like this. And then I saw him walk in and I gagged a little. Like I got starstruck and I like hit my boyfriend at the time and I hit my mom and we were like, look. And we looked over and we saw him and we all were like, oh my God. Like, and then my sister was like, let's go. <laughs> she was like, and then he came in and he pointed right at her and screamed at the top of his lungs. He was like, don't get started without me in here. And she went, <laughs> and she went, ah! She thought he surprised the whole cast. So she screamed. She was the only one that screamed. And actually scared him a little bit. Which is, was like really hard to do. And then, then the joke's on us. We have an hour workout class ahead of us. <laughs> like, I, like, I was ready to go home after that. Like, I was like, we did it. And then, That's enough. Like, right. and then he's like, let's get started. And we're like, oh shit, we got to work out now. And, <laughs> yeah, and the, the workout was hard. But, you know, like we were conking out in the middle of it. And then like, you know, he was like, 
lift up some weights. And there was like three to five pound weights or three to 10 pounds. And like, I'm going to take the 10, like let the ladies get the threes. And these ladies are like, you know, the full like mama arms, you know, like are like lifting weights. Like it's nothing doing the music. It's nothing. I'm falling behind in the choreography. He's like five, six, seven, eight. It was like a big Broadway audition. And we were busting, but, and the whole time I, Honestly, I had tears rolling down my face because I was laughing so hard. And I'm like, everyone's going to think I'm crying because I'm fat and he's going to save my life. Like, I was just like <laughs> crying. Like, I couldn't help myself. My face was red because it was so funny that my sister kept looking at me. The, we, we couldn't process it because we were in the middle of choreography. Like, we were like doing like grapevines and pot of looking at each other like, this is really one for the books. Like, and then <laughs> we... <laughs> Then it ended, and he's like, everybody sit down. And we all sat down in a circle, and he does, like, this end of, cl- or end of class kind of, like, talk. And we're all, like, doing, like, really light yoga, like, diet yoga. And then he's, like, telling us, like, some sad story, and he starts crying. And it was oh. so emotional and, and deep. And we were like, oh, my God. It was, like, the most bipolar aerobic slash you could ever go to. <laughs> but, like, but I felt changed inside. It was more than calories I left on the floor that day. My heart was there. <laughs> like, I, like, like I, it was an amazing experience. But Polly has been, like, getting all this hype lately for looking so much like the two. And Richard Simmons has been, like, you know, hiding away, you know, trying to live a private life. And, you know, I think he, no one really knows what happened. And I don't, I know Richard hates being talked about. So I hope he doesn't hate I even say this, but. I, I, I heard he had gotten an injury and then it like depressed him for a little bit. So he just like kind of was like, I'm going to retire, you know? And let me tell you something. I, I was saying at the Sam conventions, how it's a little bit of a trauma dump, you know? Like I had someone come up to me once and be like, my brother is dead to our family. He's a drug addict on the streets. I haven't seen him since I'm a teenager. And like, I don't really have many good memories of him, but all the good memories I have of him are us quoting back your character back and forth for Mean Girls. And you are my, the good parts of my relationship with my brother. And then she held me and went like, and wow. like, what do you do with that? Right. Mm, like, and yeah. I just held, I, I'm a, a good person to talk to you like that because I, I'm sensitive and I understand. And some people aren't like that. Like, especially pe- like people probably do with their fans, but I held her and we had a little moment. My sister-in-law was crying. She was working in my booth with me. We were at a Florida Supercon, and it was like really intense. Right. Richard gets things like that hundreds of times a day from all over the world and does his best to try to receive them. And I think at some point he just had to like close down, you know, the mailbox, like, was just like, I need a break, you know? So Polly happens to look a lot like Richard, like the, as they, as Polly's getting older, he, like he, he's very like, fami- like looks like him a lot. And there's all, been all this internet talking about him making a movie and he's very serious about it. And he's going in to make this big movie. I think he's very earnest. I think he's going to do a great job. I think it's going to give him a lot of recognition. And I think it's going to bring Richard. Rich is going to get his flowers where he deserves it because, um, both of those men need, deserve flowers, you know, of all these, so. you know, yeah. And so it's exciting. So to answer your question, Polly's nice. thank you thank you that's one hell of an experience though like honestly wow like that's the way you answer a question on a podcast yes yes it is yeah do you know what yeah (laughs) the amount of people we've had on right because darling because darling that's literally what's happening okay yes Yes. yeah we've had quite a few people on you who, who 
are in like big bands or whatever and they come on and beforehand they're very talkative and but then as soon as we start it's just one word answers but that was absolutely perfect well that ain't me bro that ain't me bro, that ain't me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but though you you talk about that those, those connection and what things mean to people you must get that all the time especially online and stuff because i feel Damien was such an important character, not just for the film, but for people's lives who were watching, who were dealing with not being confident or their sexuality or body positivity, like especially around the time where that wasn't really talked about as much mm. as it is today. Like as, as much as the ups and downs you've had with that film, I'm sure that's an element of it you're extremely proud of. Of what people took oh, away from it. Look, I know that I started on this on a, on a note. I just tried to start on a real note, not a low note. But like, I but I love being a part of this movie. I love oh, yeah, fandom. Yeah. I, I'm a fangirl like at heart. Like when I was 16 years old, I wrote letters to like every ce- celebrity that I liked. And if you would have seen the autograph pictures that I got back, you would have known I was gay before I did. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> it was like B. Arthur, Bette Midler, Oprah, <laughs> like you know, like B. Arthur. Yes! The boy's gay. The boy's gay, Margaret. <laughs> you know, it's like very like, you know, that. But like, um, but yeah, I, you know, so to me, like, I, you know, I mean, I carry stickers around with me sometimes, like when I'm traveling. So if someone recognizes me in a moment where I can't take a picture, like at airport, I can at least give them something and be like, you got this for me. Like, you know, I like, I like me. I like, I feel like at this point, I am an entertainer, but part of my job as an entertainer is I'm, I'm a purveyor of joy. Like I make, I, I go to stand up and I make people laugh. I go to meet and greets and I make people smile and give them hugs and give them good memories. I, you know, uh, make, make movies that make people, whether they're even scary movies or, or serious movies or true crime or whatever movies or projects I'm working on, they bring people solace. Entertainment make, gives people an escape. And so I, so I just want to make as much joy as I possibly can. I want to just bring people joy. That's literally like what I feel like the rest of my mission on this earth is. Yeah. yeah. Well, you emanate it. I feel like mm. you, yeah, from like, to be honest, like I had, um, yeah, I didn't have much, like I've seen Mean Girls, obviously I'm not, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I am from Wales, but I don't live in a cave. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just seeing you and yeah, getting to speak to you, you just fucking radiate it. So yeah, we, we really appreciate you being here and yeah, I love your well, energy. You've, you've brought joy to my life so many times over that I can't even count with that um but as well like one thing i did want to ask is did you ever think that the scene with you in the blue hoodie and the glasses and saying she doesn't even go here would turn into such an iconic meme for the last 20 years to the point now where people are literally dressing up as you in in that scene to go to the cinema or to go to fancy dress parties and it's just like it's it, that has taken its own lease of life over the last two decades honestly i don't because i kind of chose the like the hoodie with the cat with the casting director and i kind of like you know the prop master was like here's the sunglasses pick which ones you want and i kind of was like ah oh, those like it was like very matter of fact the whole thing mm. like for it to become iconic is kind of weird i probably would have been like told all the extras to hand me a dollar <laughs> i'll explain later it'll be really funny in 20 years like, yeah. <laughs> like, like if i would have known that anything in that scene would have been iconic i would have made that a thing but like 
I, um, but truly, um, no. And the, one of the funniest things for me is to just see a Damien in the wild, like someone who's accent, actually wearing sunglasses and a blue hoodie <laughs> up over their head, like, and just walking around. Like I see a lot of Damien's in the wild that don't know that they're Damien's. And it's very funny to me. I once chased an elderly Asian woman, like around three blocks, trying to get a video of her walking around looking like me with it scrunched up in everything. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this would just be amazing. But I thought it was. I thought if I jumped out of the car, I probably would scare her. She'd probably run away or something. But it would have been even then a good TikTok. <laughs> oh, it would have been, yeah. very good TikTok. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I started a series on my Instagram called <laughs> "Is It Jan?" Right. So my mother's name is Jan, right, and she's got like white gray hair. She's got like <laughs> I get. I guess some people would call it the Karen look, right? She's got that fucking yeah, hair yeah, yeah, with yeah. a li- little bit of a fringe <laughs> or whatever. So I've literally started going around every gray-haired woman I see from behind. Even some men. Even some men. Oh, I just go up wow. down and I'm like, is it Jan? Is it Jan? Is it Jan? <laughs> no, it's not Jan! <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, chasing an Asian, an Asian woman dressed as Damien. Oh, that's my new highlight of this podcast, <laughs> I think. Thank you very much. Oh. Uh. Just just one more thing about the character I did want to talk about is just, you know, at first it must be so weird kind of hearing that somebody else is going to be playing a character that you've had to live with for so long. But there's a, such a beautiful moment with you and Jaquil at the premiere where you just kind of embraced each other. And he posted this very wholesome caption online and just kind of saying about your inspiration and just been the blueprint for so many people like what's your relationship being like with, with you two and how was the premiere and how was it for you just seeing the film being interpreted in a different way and just the love being there even more so it was a really good experience for me i was you know a little i don't know it's weird you don't you know i was i but i think all of the uncomfortableness about the musical being created happened when broadway happened like mm. i saw it i already knew how the, how the lines were changed i already knew what to expect so seeing this was a movie of the musical it didn't really feel like a remake of our movie like i just felt like the source material which was actually a really big honor and um to meet Jaquel was just it was i mean i had to really try to stop from bawling you know because i feel like uh you know again abusive parent syndrome like it's like, you know, I, the, I, like, I get a lot of appreciation from the world from this movie, but maybe not necessarily from Paramount or from Tina. I haven't seen Tina since we made the movie. So a lot of that was emotional wow. for me mm. to see them and to be like, okay, you know, you guys, you know, do appreciate what I contributed. And, you know, it, it felt a little more like accepting. And for him too, it wasn't like I was being like replaced. He was saying I had to like, you know, you helped lift me up to this point. Like, and that was, I, I, I needed that just as a human being maybe. And for it to happen very public in front of all the lights and cameras was, a, you know, a little awkward, you know, but a lot of my life has happened that way. So again, this is huge, right? So it's like, but it was a really special moment to me. And I'm so grateful to have it caught on camera because it just reminds me of how you don't even know how someone could how your work could affect somebody. I had no idea making a teen comedy, which uh, if people always go, did you think it was going to be so successful? I thought it was going to be someone's favorite movie. Like, you know, 
like you know like one of those like really fun movies like uh, like those early you know um early snl movies uh that was like oh this will be someone's favorite movie like coneheads or or cop check it'll be something that or you know people love but maybe not everyone has seen in the world but for it to be a door for a lot of plus size lgbtq others to feel like they could be in a place where, you know, they're not beat up and, you know, the school celebrates them and there's a world out there. I mean, it's 20 years, right? So like around the 10th anniversary, what made me come out is I got the, I tell the story all the time, but it's worth repeating. I got a letter from a fan that said that they were uh, tortured for being chubby and beat up for being sissy in eighth grade. And then the movie came out. And then when they went to the first year of high school on the first day of school, the popular senior girls walked up to them and said, you're like Damien, come sit with us. And that they were popular uh, for all four years of high school after being like bullied their whole life. That's huge. That's huge. I definitely think that I could have been a more popular kid in high school had Damien existed before I went there. Cause I was that person, you know? And then now we're reaching 20 years and there's this really incredible young queer director named Asad Yakub who has been winning all these awards for directing. He directed the Hello Hello video from Trixie Mattel and won Queerty awarded the Queerties and came off the stage in beeline for me. And we had met before, but not in a way he could tell me what he wanted to say. And with the award in his hand, he was like, I'm here because of you, Habibi. He's like, when I was a kid, he's like, every gay person I ever saw was like ostracized or punished or cut from films. And for some reason, because Damien didn't have a kiss and didn't have a boyfriend and never said he was gay, he made it through the censors. And I knew growing up as a kid in Dubai that I could move to America and have a life where I could be comfortable and accepted. Wow, man, man, if I never do anything else on this earth, like the fact that I did that for someone who's so talented and so gifted, but who knows who else? Like, you know, for every one person that tells you there's a hundred people that don't say anything, I feel like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I feel like, I, I feel like it's so, those moments are so, so powerful to me. And being a guy who's kind of spiritual and close to like my creator, like I'm reminded every day that like I, am blessed with a part with something like this so you know maybe i you know don't get the cut you know, maybe like gray henson gets a tony nomination and maybe chicago will, will get next year's golden globe nomination or whatever and maybe i didn't even get like a glad award <laughs> you know like you know <laughs> yeah. but like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me because sometimes the trailblazers get the arrows and not the land and i'm so happy to have a contribution to this art form that i love that moved the envelope forward for my people well, that's, that's absolutely fucking wonderful. Like, I literally had goosebumps then when you said how much, like, you'd influence. Like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's. There's a lot of stories like that. And there's all these, like, side stories. Well, a really great one was this girl said in Dallas, Texas, that she had a gay best friend and he wasn't allowed in the house. And the mom always yelled at him for hanging out with him, even though she knew him from church. And she just didn't want to be around them. And then they saw Mean Girls and the mom loved Damien and wanted to have him around more. And now he's allowed to sleep over and eat dinner. And I literally like set a place at dinner for some kid who's wanted to be sitting at a table. Like, I don't even know. And I, and that person probably will never write me again. I won't even remember who it was, but it's like, there's so many of these stories out there that just humble me every day and make me realize. You know, this is a, this is a little bit away from me, girls. But like one day, I was like, I, I was just telling the story the other day when I was talking to somebody about social media, and I just was like, I need to put up some content, and I want it to be something positive. 
and I don't have anything to say today. So I just tweeted, if you haven't heard it today, you're loved and your life matters. And, and I love you or whatever. It was just, it, it really, it didn't, it came from an earnest place, but it was like coming from a place of like, I need to say something nice right now just because I feel like it. And I had somebody walk up to me once at an event or a red carpet and hand me a, a wrapped gift. And when I opened it, it was this beautiful little collage of me in a scene. And in the back, there was a card that said that they were going to unlive themselves that day until they saw that tweet. And that tweet made them feel like, you know, it just reminded them who they were and reminded them that that's, that somebody we care about them. And I, I didn't even like, I don't say it in me. I didn't mean it when I wrote the tweet, but like, I was just writing the tweet out like, in case somebody needs this, like I didn't feel the energy or anything, but somebody needed that message. And it makes me realize what small little pieces of joy that I could put out there, whether it's like a sticker I give someone that they put on their water bottle and then everyone who mentions it, they go, I met him. And like, I was so good. And they just get a little bit of dopamine. Like the freaking world is burning. If I could give somebody a little bit of dopamine, <laughs> like I, I'll do it, whatever it takes. You know what I'm saying? It'd be like, like it'll just brighten your day a little bit, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, that, that is again connection is such a big part of everything and saying about giving people their flowers if i had someone to actually give them to you you definitely deserve you definitely deserve <laughs> a bouquet of something I, look so. i don't get me wrong i like rude comedy i like insult <laughs> comedy i think it's very funny it tickles me in a very special place when somebody's shady but i feel bad i actually feel bad when i'm that way like i don't think i could even though like i could write jokes privately for a roast battle and be amazing <laughs> but like i don't <laughs> But sometimes, unless, you know, I don't know. I've just seen people, like, actually at roast battles, like, go home and be like, do I really have man titties? And be, like, upset for, like, a month, you know? Like, like, and I'd be like, dude, that's a joke. We're at, like, a comedy thing. You know, those things, like, kind of do affect people. And I, I just made, like, a conscious decision at some point to try to put good into the world. Well, th- yeah, we need that more than ever. Because, uh, like you said, the world is on fucking fire, <laughs> and nobody's doing anything about it. I, I was like, you know, and it's interesting, especially in the gay community. I was talking to some guy at a bar recently, like within the last six months, and like I was saying something to him, and he was going, "Oh, did you see whatever movie Barbie or whatever? It was? I don't know what it was. We're just saying something. Did you see it? It was like, and, and I'm like, I liked it. And he's like, Oh, I'm like, Well, what did you like? I'm like, Can we talk about only the positive things? Like, I don't want to hear about movies you don't like or pop stars you think are getting too old or i like just talk about good things like tell me the pop star you like tell me the movie you like i'm just i the world is full of shit i just need a little bit of light right now so it's like i don't you know and he found it really difficult to continue the conversation without being negative like everything he was saying i'm like you're being negative again like i want to continue to talk to you but you're being negative and he was like well, I guess I'm, am I, uh, it was on Halloween. Now I remember it was on Halloween. Some guy tried to talk to me and I'm literally just Care Bear, bro. I was like, do you really think I want to, I was like, do you really think I want to hear your shit? Like everyone's having a good time tonight. Pick one of these beautiful people that are in a, something cool and don't tell me about the costume that's lame. Tell me about the cool thing. Don't tell me about the movie you didn't like. Tell me about the good thing. Like, and he couldn't, he ended up walking away because he couldn't. Like some people just can't, fun- can't function without being evil. And I'm, I'm like the opposite of that. I immediately, my skin crawls when people start talking shit about somebody. I was at the RuPaul's Drag Race finale once, and I had celebrities sitting behind me that were talking shit about every queen, and I was like, why are you even here? <laughs> like, I'm a huge fan of this, and, the, and these queer people who are our siblings are giving, like, they're all now. This is a very important day to them, and they're trying to come with their best drag and present it for us, 
You know what I mean? And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time for them to look and be like, and you're sitting here judging scenes and shit. Like you're not a judge. Shut up. Go home. Like, I don't like it. You had me cry. I'm genuinely crying laughing. <laughs> I just thought of you dressed as a K-Bear having to take on I'm this serious. prick's negativity. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, what about tender heart bear? Don't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, I'm gone. I'm gone. Carry on, Mog. Is it? Is there anything you do in your day-to-day life to just to kind of keep those positivity levels up? Like, is there any moments you take any like little self-care routines? Like what for you is when things are getting too much, you're like, right, I, I need more well, positive for, power. For, first thing is my family is my rock. Like, honestly, like I have a really great family and I talk to my, my mom, my sister, like whoever, every, my niece or every day, like I talk to somebody over there and find out what's going on. You know what I mean? And um, that just connects me to reality. I could never be too big for my britches. Like, I could never be that kind of famous person that's like, dude, well, first of all, they don't make pants that big. <laughs> no, I was saying, I was saying, like, um, they couldn't, like, I, every time people are like, oh, you're so humble. I'm like, my mother would kick my ass. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, she's like, who are you? Go, go answer that. Go give them an autograph. Forget it. Now he's taking a picture with you and you're getting a free cameo. How dare you? Like, like she never, like, and honestly, she doesn't have to even be with me for me to hear that stuff. I mean, she's still, you know, very healthy and alive and with us, but like something will happen. Like I had a bag of like makeup, like cover up or whatever concealer open up in my suitcase because I don't really have a makeup bag. So like everything went all over. And as I'm cleaning it up, I heard my mom being like, I told you to put it in a separate bag and it should be wrapped up and you should tape this and it shouldn't be here. And I, like, I feel like long after she's gone on this earth, I'm going to have her on my shoulder telling me what to do in her own voice and be like, fine, you know. The voice is always going to be with you. Just, you, yeah, just over the shoulder. Oh. What was her reaction when you started doing the shit Italian mom says videos oh and God. they started exploding? First, she was like, I don't sound like that, do I? Which is, like, <laughs> so Which is so ridiculous because I think every Italian mom that first saw that to, to go out for them to embrace it. <laughs> and, yeah. and now it's just like, I think it's a masterpiece. Lay all the way to the bank, honey. That's what she says. Like, I just did a full show last year, Italian Mom Loves You, where I do a full hour play as her. And wow. it did really well in Connecticut. We're still workshopping it and developing it for bigger things. But yeah, it's been, you know, really fun. I mean, I had a 26 episode Instagram series where I played the Italian Mom character. I, out of all of the things I've done, I think I could laugh at that one the most because yeah. to me, to me, it's like a prank. It's like, Oh, I got her. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's more like I pranked my mom than it is like I'm acting. Has she, uh, has she asked for any sort of percentage for it? <laughs> oh, she gets her share. Believe me. I have a whole thing for her <laughs> called, called hashtag spoil the mommy. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. I definitely spoil her. I love spoiling her. So she gets, yeah, I want, to me, like, honestly, like, I almost lost my mom, like, about, uh, during the pandemic. She had, uh, oh, no. she needed double hip replacements. And then we had the quarantine and, you know, she was like really like hurting and in so much pain with the hips and then tried to go get one taken care of. And she had, she died and got revived on the table. Like, it was like a whole thing. She had the wrong anesthetic. And so we found her the perfect surgeon. Like, she's, you know, lost 90 pounds and she has two new hips and she's li- living the best life right now. So the moral of the story is she's great. But when I almost lost her, I was like, man, like 
I was like, I need to just spend every waking moment with every person that I love, period. Mm. Like, and treat them like this is the last year I have with them. And, you know, not, you know, cause the pandemic made us all think about mortality. And I was just like, I need to like really spend time with my dad and, 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 and talk to him. I need to really spend time with my, my uh, siblings and my little nibblings and like figure out what they need. And, you know, during the pandemic, I homeschooled my niece in second grade the whole time. Because I lost all of my show dates and I had nothing to do. And she was still in school online. And, my, you know, my brother and sister were working and couldn't help her. And so 11 to 4 every day, I was doing like a full day of like second grade. <laughs> like, But, I, you know, she went from like, you know, getting like D's to like being, she got straight A's last year in sixth grade. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's just like, I totally put her on the right track. And it's like, you know, it, I think that investing in, the people that have been there for you all along was something that I lost my way on a little while. I tried to make all these new famous Hollywood friends my first couple of years out in the industry. And then when you realize that those people are just colleagues and they, as soon as you aren't hot, they go away and you're off the birthday party list and all these other things. And yep. you know, if I, one day I'll get an Emmy or an Oscar nomination and everyone will invite me to their parties again and I'll accept because they're <laughs> not my friend. They're not my friends. They're my colleagues. I have, I'm very like, if you're lucky to have one or two really close friends outside of your family, like I could say I have honestly like a group of like six, six, seven people that I love that would throw themselves in front of a bus for me and I would do the same. And it's like, I like, I'm very wealthy with my friends. I may not have made money from Mean Girls, but in my life, I've made friends that are worth their weight in gold. And it's like, I like, so my friends and family are really my support system. God is my support system. So how do I navigate it all? That's out. That's what I do when it gets all too crazy. When everything's like nuts, I could always, you know, um, swing back to go visit my family for a little bit and take a break or hit up one of my friends and go stay with them. And it's very rejuvenating for me. My idea in the beginning, like when I was little and writing letters to, you know, Bette Midler, I was thinking, Oh, I hope one day I'm famous and somebody wants to like, you know, get my autograph. And then, you know, when I went to college, I was like, Oh, I hope someday will somebody after show says, Hey, I want to, smoke weed with you you know i was like oh that'd be cool <laughs> to be like somebody that somebody wants to smoke with you know but i think like the goal now is just that all my friends thrive off of me like how can we make this like like how could how could i make everybody come to the party and everybody get a taste and everybody have a good time so i always try to carry my friends into everything i do and you know my family and um just try to build build a community and hold on to the people that are good it's like people curating that's wonderful yeah, that's lovely to hear. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. It's just nice that you be you, even though you've gone through some troubles there. It's nice the fact that you can share those laughs with the family and just embrace the friendship of everyone going around and just you know and share the love. If not, if all fails, I recommend a stretchy cheeseburger toy because it really <laughs> takes the, sh- the stress out of life. So. <laughs> nice. I'll have to get one. I've got to get one. To be, this. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, you could do with one. I'm must. sure. I think maybe maybe we need to invest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well Danny as we start to wind down on this conversation a little bit I've honestly lo- loved all of this but me too we- we've talked about so many different elements of your career I would love to know how you go about writing a rock opera because you know there's some albums that we're into that kind of have that vibe but to translate that into a show from scratch like please just if you can just tell us that process and like the music you're into and maybe the music that inspired that. Me and my partner, Hannah Lopate, and uh, she was writing other musicals and asked me to be in some musical that I couldn't be in. 
it was like this parody of Glee. And I was like, well, I can't do that, but would you want to write one? And she was like, okay. And me, like when I dream, I dream big, like I go huge, you know? So it started out as like this 15 minute upright citizens brigade comedy show. And I'm like, we should make it an hour. We should make it an hour and a half. We should get it into the French festival. We should. And I kept pushing it and pushing it and growing it. And, you know, we, we had an amazing cast of people like the original cast, um, which is so incredible. I had two of the girls from glow in it. Uh, Mikey day was the situation. Like we were like, you know, it was just like so much fun, you know? And then it grew on where we had like, uh, we had a different guest star play the grenade, the ugly girl. And like every episode and we had, we had Kyle Mooney and Harvey Dean and Jason Ritter. And like, I mean, it was just like one after the other of people all now who are like, you know, all doing so well and so great. Um, and it was just so cool to meet all those people, work with all of them, have such a good time, do something all together. Um, just writing, I guess I, you know, I kind of am like a frustrated rapper a little bit. I have done some like funny rap stuff online. I put out a Christmas rap album and I've done some like guest spots on other people's music just for fun and stuff like that. But I, it, I love writing lyrics. Like I, you know, I, I, I'm known for trying to fit too many words into, into like one sentence. And for a lot of people, that's like really frustrating, you know, but I, you know, I, I always work best with a creative partner. You know, everything I've done, even Italian Mom, I wrote with Jacques Lamar. And, like, I have different partners for each thing I do. Mostly because I work on so many different things that I need to have somebody keeping me on track on each thing we're working on. But also because, also because I need someone to edit me. I just go off the rails. I have a million ideas. I never stop. So I need someone to help edit and structure and say, no, what we need is something to fit here. And then you give me an assignment, I will deliver. Like... A lot of times when I'm left to my own devices on creativity, I have a bunch of unfinished projects, you know, like, but when I, when I finally tell somebody, Hey, do you want to work on this project with me? And they're really committed. Then all of a sudden that idea takes the forefront and it moves forward and it ends up getting done. Um, I, I, I'm a person who needs help. That's why I rely on my community a lot. I love my community around me. I would say the one thing I do by myself is my stand up. really. I mean, I do take advice from friends or tips or like, you know, someone says, Oh, here's a button, but, that's like the one thing I really sit and do all alone. And you've given so many amazing podcast answers. I think it would be rude if we didn't mention your podcast. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Please have the floor for you a minute. Pr- you, pr- you actually pronounced that wrong. It's yes, Jesus. See, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think I could get away with it. So I thought I would just <laughs> yeah. I'd just leave that bit out. I didn't want to offend anyone. I didn't want to... Like, no, like, you oh. have to say it as gay as possible or it is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is, see, we have so many guests who come on who try the Welsh accent <laughs> who end up su- s- sounding Indian. I can't do it. I can't do Welsh. I can't do Australian. I can't do all these. I can't. It's not far. Right. Yeah, they're not a million miles away from each it's other. Like, I, yeah, I, I can do other kinds of British. Although, if I worked with a dialect coach, I would probably be able to get it perfect. Like when I really work on something, I like then I get it and I have it forever. Can we hear your English real quick? Can we hear your? <laughs> all right, I'm well, from London. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did um, Robin Hood. That was came from the Royal Shakespeare Company, but then went to Best Support, and then we did it here in Beverly Hills. And I played Mid Marion's uh, Butler and Clown, and they'd be like, "It's time for your music lesson." Like, I'd be like, <laughs> I, implore, I implore you, the Queen, must. you know. So, like, I had like a little voice like that, you know. And then I became Big Peter, where I talk a bit like this and be a little bit tough when he went and hang with the married men, you know. Like, so I have like <laughs> a couple of versions. That's class. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But p- please have the floor for a few minutes just to talk about Yas Jesus. 
um, as, as, as much as you'd he's like. Had to, he's had to try. I've he's had to, had to have a go. I can't say it normally. Apologies to the like... gay community for Morgan's yeah, um, attempt like... yeah. Bottom line with Yash Jesus is it's just a faith and queer affirming podcast together and a sexuality affirming podcast. We believe that you don't have to choose between gay and God. We say that we're faithfully on our knees, on our knees for the Lord. <laughs> like we are like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we think that you can have sex. You can be all the things that you are on earth and still love God and still be a part of that and still, you know, benefit from the teachings that are in the Bible. Like all these Christian right people that say that queer folks aren't allowed to have a place in the kingdom of God also claim that this Bible is like the owner's manual to life. It's got everything that you need to know in it, but then they gatekeep it from us instead of like, offering it. And they only offer it in judgmental ways. And a lot of organized religion, which I'm very not a, like very against, but like a lot of organized religion will also say, uh, this is the word, do not ask any questions, go home. Like, and then you're like, what? Like, I think that it's you're meant to wonder. We don't Bible study, we Bible wonder, we like talk about stuff. You know, there's sexual situations in the Bible, there's queer stories in the Bible that we're just not told. Like, you know, the, the perspectives aren't given to us. So why not take this, put it through a comedic rainbow lens and, you know, call it all the cons in the, in, in the religious community, but also talk about the stuff that's really amazing in, in the Bible that we could use and make it applicable to queer life. The best way that I could describe it in a layman's terms is like, I think about Ikea, right? Like Ikea, like makes all this great functional furniture that is easy to put together, easy to ship. They make it easy, right? Their instruction booklets don't even have words. It's like pictures. So it's like really easy, right? To do everything. But imagine being a queer person and having to put all that stuff together and figure out all, all it is without the instruction booklet. I feel like that's kind of what the Christian people have done to ostracize queer people to really just highlight our sin and make their sin feel less to them or whatever. And it's it's so politicized around real estate and money and politics and all these other things that like they can't back down. Even if they do love a gay person, they can't back down on their standpoint because they've gone too far at this point, you know? And now we as queer people have Ikea hacked. Like there's all these great websites where they've taken, a, they've taken like a Flajorn and a, and a Flarkenflugen and they put them together <laughs> and made like, a, made like a gay vanity table. It's like, we can do whatever we want. And some of our shit's doper than their shit. And we're like, you know what? We don't need your religion to, to form community, form a life, and figure out how to work everything. But now I'm at the place where I'm like, oh, oh, oh hold on a second. Give me the directions to the Flurkenflugen. Like, I want to <laughs> see how that's actually put together. Because maybe there are things that can be applicable to what I'm trying to do with my own life design. And I think that I think there's no, whether, no matter how anti-religion you are. There's no person that I think is going to say that there's absolutely zero thing of value that's going to be in the Bible or the Quran or any of those other items. Like, there's going to be something of value in, in, in like the Torah. There's something of value. So it's like, let's pull out all the valuable things. Let's talk about them for what they are and let's discuss them. And some of the invaluable things are interesting. So let's talk about those too. And when something is specific, specifically heteronormative, let's make it a little gay, honey. Like, why not? <laughs> They've been. They've been straight washing all our shit forever. It's like, why not take this thing, you know? And if you hate us and you don't want us to be a part of your church, then don't even look at what we're doing over here when we look at the Bible. We'll do our own thing. Like, and I think we're creating a, we're fostering a community. Not only that, we just got picked up by World of Wonder, which is really exciting. So nice. now yes. we're like, and we're like, thank you. We're like an amazing platform 
when you hear those incredible faith journeys on RuPaul's Drag Race, for the queens to come on afterwards and follow up the story and get down deeper and let us know really what went down. You know, I know Mo Hart right now has been uh, put up a, a, a bunch of videos lately on their social media just talking about how they're having difficulty conciling their Christianity and their queerness. And that's something that they're currently going through. So immediately we called Mo and we're going to be interviewing them later on today. So it's like now Mo can, instead of having to be restricted to a five minute TikTok, hoping to keep people engaged to sort this out, they can sit down with us for, for an hour and really break down. What is this church hurt? What are you going through? Because so many people want to know that their heroes are feeling the same things that they're feeling. And so we're, you know, we had T.S. Madison on this week and um, we're having Mo Hart on tonight. And it's just like a really good opportunity to sort of expand the conversation that we aren't having. And a lot of that came from Drag Race, too. Oh, damn. Someone's at my door. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. <laughs> it's probably a... Oh, we're going... Oh, we're going with... We're going with... Here we go. <laughs> I, know exactly, I know exactly where I am. Don't worry. I know exactly where I am. It's okay. It's a new section of Patreon of something podcast called Who's at the Door? <laughs> Who's at the Door? It's a jam! It's a jam! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's amazing! Yes! It's not. I don't think it is. She's, it's not jam. She's just, it's not, she's just it's through there. Deli- so, yeah. it's, just another beautiful, it's another beautiful delivery woman with great hair. Oh, um, she so will love have, that. <laughs> but, my, but all of it, like what I was saying, is all of this came from we went to the Drag Race finale. And I'm like, everyone's dressed to the nines and they're all praising and worshiping these queens. Like, this is church. Like, you know, we are a species that worships saints. Like, you know, if you look at us, like cavemen worship fire and, you know, the Incas and like all these, you know, the Egyptians, we all worship, we worship things. So if you're not worshiping a higher power, what are you worshiping? I think that's really the conversation I want queer people to have because I think the biggest lie that we've been told is that um, a higher power isn't for us. So it's tricked our community into worshiping other things. And I think that that needs to be focused on. Are we worshiping a pop star? Are we worshiping sex? Are we worshiping drugs? Are we worshiping fashion? Like, what are we worshiping? And it's like, if it's, if it's yoga, great. If it's meditation, great. I'm not saying Jesus is the only way. Like, I'm just saying, like, you know, I, I'm a Christian and an agnostic. Like, I follow the teachings of Christ, but I do, I am agnostic in the way that I don't think I have the answer to every single thing and one answer. So it's like, like, you know, just like my acting technique, I studied Meisner, I studied Uta Hagen, I studied Stanislavski, and then I can, like, pull from those techniques the things that are applicable to my craft. I want to study religion, and I want to pull the things that are applicable to my spirituality. I don't need any rule book. I have a relationship and a connection with higher power, and I think that's the true thing to seek. That's the true level of enlightenment. And so that's what it is. I could talk about that for a whole other hour, but I won't. But, <laughs> I, but if, if anyone's interested, go to yashjesuspod.com or at yashjesuspod on Instagram or TikTok. Like, we're there. We will talk to you. You can leave messages. Like, it's the easiest way. Like, to, you know, listen to some of the episodes. I say start with the new ones and then go back to ones that you think you want to try because we really found our way after the fourth season. <laughs> like, you know... <laughs> in the beginning, it was a little bit like, what are we doing? But, like, we're, like, in a place now where, you know, we've made, like, almost... Stop. Yeah, we did exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. And also, um, uh, you know, I collected, we've collected over 200 prayers from drag queens around the world. And at the end of every episode, we end with a prayer and a prayer from a drag queen. Wow. So for all the things that the world is saying about drag queens right now, I don't see any prayers for drag queens. So we have a bunch of drag queens giving prayers for everybody else. Lovely. Amazing. That's awesome. 
Danny, honestly, this is just being such an insightful, funny, interesting conversation. I've loved every well, I hope it was minutes. worth the wait because I definitely oh, was. you guys for like a really long time. Like, no, honestly, no, honestly, it's, 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 <laughs> this has meant a lot to me personally. So yeah, oh, just, I, I appreciate you taking the time and just keep doing, keep doing what you're doing and just, yeah, hopefully we can hang out at some point when you're next in the UK or something. Um, but yes, yeah, just I mean, thank you so if much. I don't get there sooner, which I really hope to get there. Anyone in the UK that wants to hire me, I'm ready to do a play or come out there and do whatever. I love it over there. But, um, but if not, I will definitely be a drag queen next year. So a uh, drag, yes. drag wow. uh, con next year. So definitely, um, you know, come say hi for there for sure. Let me know. 100%. We'd love that. Yeah. Thank you very much. You are a wonderful human. Thank you very much for this chat. It's going to be, I know it's going to be inspiring to a lot of listeners. Um, and yeah, we really, really, really appreciate you very, very much. Please stay safe. And yeah, hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Same to you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That was a very fun episode. Do you agree, James? Oh, I'm sure it was. (laughs) Thank you very much, James. Over to James, um, who's still in Glasgow while we record this right now in Glasgow. Um, but yes, what a fucking, what an absolute legend. I, like I said earlier, I wasn't sure how this was going to go. I didn't know if he'd want to talk about Mean Girls, if he'd, I just, again, I didn't know what he'd gone on to do and how fucking classy he is. We had a great time with Dan. Thank you very much again to him. And I hope I get to see him do comedy at some point yeah. in the flesh. Yeah, you were, it, it was funny hearing him list off the names of people he's, doing shows with and has worked with yeah. your face just lit up and listening back while editing like you could just <laughs> see the amount of times you broke down laughing so i think it was a really nice surprise conversation for you and again this is one of the favorite bits about doing this podcast is when 
you know, as much as I love getting an insight into the music industry and, and speaking with bands, it's so nice when we get to speak to people a little bit outside the box. Yeah. People that listeners aren't expecting to see pop up when we post about it. And yeah, just see how all these worlds combined. And again, I got to give all the love and all the flowers to Danny for just taking the time and, and being so open and, and letting us do this. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a surreal one for me. I didn't think uh, we get to do it. So yeah. yeah, just happy, happy days. And again, got to talk about a lot of things that we don't normally get to kind of get an insight into, um, especially religion, but different sexuality. Um, but much love to everyone and everyone listening to this. Um, should point out what we are recording this bit in Glasgow as well because we've just recorded something else Ooh. in Glasgow. Mm. Mm. Something secret. And you can go check out next week. The Proclaimers. What? what? Spoiler alert. Proclaimers. Oh. I messaged Danny after we finished the podcast because I had such a good time and I thanked him for coming on and, and told him how funny he was. And he replied, send my love to Jan. So my mother got a lot of love in this podcast. So thank you very much. That's mad that um, Jan's now on his radar. Yeah. yeah. So I sent that, I screenshotted it and I sent it to my mother. And I was like, that's Daniel Francesi from Mean Girls. And she was like, I'm famous now. <laughs> That's not her voice. So I don't know why she did that voice. But um, but no, great chat. Yes. Great guy. Good luck with everything going forward. Yes. Uh, again, we've got a very busy few days. Obviously, you and the Blackout have still got shows because you're, you're touring. Yep. While we're at this, we're going to be on the Emo's Not Dead cruise next week. So, haha. Getting abducted. And uh-huh. just, you know, it's festival season, not too far away which is scary um but let's not talk about that because yeah, we'll go into quick. a crisis <laughs> keep up to date with everything we got going on at sapman pod on instagram and the app formerly known as twitter and please for the love of god go and support us here our patreon love it, it's great good laugh like you get yep. meet friends Gig get memes these. you know yeah, you, you can fall of, in love yeah we have a lot of um suggestions and new upcoming bands um suggested on the group and yeah we have all walks of life from uh we've had big music producers artists and yeah we've had loads of different types of people and it's a fucking great way to meet your new best friend so again patreon.com for something please join because those people keep this podcast going so if you've listened to more than four podcast four of these podcasts and you haven't joined up you're a thieving bastard <laughs> As always, we'd have to say a massive thank you to those people. And if you head to the description, there's loads of names there that we thank each and every week. But as always, well, Sean normally gives a shout out to the Not elite members. Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm just trying to roll with it. Um, but we can't access that right now, so I'm going to dub it in here. Very special thank you to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Luwe, Janelle Caston, Paul Hirschfield, Scarlett Charlton, Dilly Grimwood, Tony Michael, Nathan Crawshaw, Mitch Perry, Liam Connolly, Molly Malloy and James Bowerbank, Amy Louise, Kat Besant, Alexandra Pembukton, Jonathan Gutierrez, Kieran Lewis, Jenny Robinson, Amy Dawson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Stuart McNaught, Ellen Southfield, Caroline Robinson, Stephen Aston, Kate Puttock, Jenny Munster, Lewis Cook, Carl Penelbury, James McNaught, Jason Heredia, John and Emma, Danny Eaton, Martina McManus, M. Evans Roberts, Evan, Sean Foynes, Ollie Amesbury, Emily Perry, Adam, King of the Goths, Parslow, Colleen Lekeen, Josh, a ghost walks into a bar, 
The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve spirits. Crisp, Vicky, Fraser Cummins, Laura Russell, hey, new member. Dan Peregrine, hey, new member. Pip, hey, new member. Carl Bounty Chocolate Van, David Smith, and last by no means least, Connor Lewins and family. Thank you to all those amazing people. We love you very, very much. Yes, nice. List them off again. No, no, I just no. realised if I turn the back <laughs> you, in, it'd be too long to, again. Yeah, you'd have to copy and paste that across again, and it takes uh, up more time. Uh, funny though, isn't it? Uh, thank but, you very, very, very much for listening to this episode. Yeah, um, yes. Bob, do you have any final thoughts of your not scheduled appearance on this episode? Yep. <laughs> Would you like to share them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a proclaimers joke earlier. Yeah, because you said that you came all the way up here to meet the proclaimers. Well, I was going to say, they, you'd have thought they'd have come to you, which would have worked at the time. So if you go back in time, everyone listen to this, because obviously now it doesn't sound like that witty, and I'm having to explain it, because they'd walk 500 miles, and they'd walk 500 more. That's the joke. That's, the, that's all of the bits you need for the joke. I've given you all the tools of the joke now. So if you don't get it, it's entirely on you, right? Okay, so go back in time, right? <laughs> Armed with this knowledge. And, and then when they say about proclaimers, go... No, you thought the proclaimers could have come to them, really. It's just an offhand like that. Imagine how good that would have been at the time. That's it, really, Mog. Thank you. Thank you. I like this. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> should get Bob in every now and again, really. <laughs> oh, anyway. But yeah, it's been another great one, another one I never thought we got to do. Um, we'll be back next Friday and every week with very special guests. And next week's one was recorded right here in Glasgow, Scotland. What's happening? <laughs> I wasn't going to make a proclaimers <laughs> joke again. <laughs> Yay! You're listening to Sabnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>